0: Hey, Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Hey, everyone, welcome to A Little Better. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We are in Easter week. And so uh, it's exciting, although we're going to be talking about Palm Sunday's message. We are in Easter week, which means in probably specifically church world but also christian's world christian's worlds there's a lot going on so let's talk about that a little bit um, drew did you guys grow up with easter some people would call it holy week if you're more into like the high church calendar did you grow up in a church that did like good friday services or you on palm sunday you always had you know palm branches waving or
1: what what was it like holy week for you growing up i don't remember <laughs> That's awesome. that um I swear I paid attention in church. No, I mean I think it was a little bit of everything. So I think each Easter brought something new. So I don't think our church did the same routine. I know some, you know, they do a good Good Friday services, Easter services, you know, mm-hmm. always talk about palm branches and then, you know, death and and resurrection. So I honestly don't remember. What I remember is getting an Easter basket from my mom every Easter with lots of chocolate in it. All right. Fair. So, you know, (laughs) I blame Ruby Kate. So, yeah, listen, this, this morning I was like, you know, we were doing devotions with our kids. We do this every morning. So we're reading about, you know, the Easter story, whatever. And like I'm throwing out questions to see where my kids are at. And, you know, Joel is you know, she's the typical PK. She knows every answer, right? She knows it's Jesus. Just go with Jesus. You got it. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, Joel, stop answering all the questions. I'm like, Ruby Kate, what is Easter about? Eggs. Eggs eggs i'm like i failed you but apparently that's what i remember as a kid growing up easter basket and candy so i'm not far off from ruby kate someday ruby
0: Kate's writing. ruby kate's gonna have a podcast i'm gonna be talking about how all she remembers is is uh is easter and i mean is eggs and chocolate and you're gonna be like listening to it screaming you're like no <laughs> talked i talked about more uh yeah i don't know like be Maybe, I think like a lot of people who grew up in homes like mine, because we didn't do things like Easter eggs or Santa Claus, there was like no chance that you could get the wrong message. That doesn't mean I remember a bunch of intentional <laughs> Easter traditions. It means I just don't remember chocolate. <laughs> um, and we didn't, we also didn't do Good Friday services that I can recall. Like, yeah, I think I, I, think I can say that definitively. Like we didn't, we didn't do those. Um, but we we did definitely have a sunrise service every Easter. So like a super early service on Sunday morning that had like a breakfast in between the super early service breakfast mm-hmm. and then church. And then we didn't have Sunday night church, which is definitely something I remember. Cause I was like the one time a year we didn't have that. So I remember being like, wow. church has a two times a day quota. And if you meet it at the sunrise and early, then you Check. you know, boxes checked, you know what I mean? <laughs> And it, if you go morning and evening, or early, early morning and morning, then you get the two, and it's like all justified in my head. But no, I'm sure there was much more to it than that. But that's what sometimes my
1: childhood memory recalls. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I mean, Thirty can be considered sunrise, right? Close, maybe.
0: Uh, I mean, I mean, the sun has definitely risen, but yeah. So it was like I'm trying Which to remember. One? I, I bet it was at 20 seven. What uh,
1: What'd you say? You said the sun. Never mind. <laughs> it was yeah.
0: A <laughs> The sun is risen, Amen. Um, oh goodness. So yeah, we did. We're we are speaking of the eight thirty service. We are pushing the core of our church. If you're a if you're a core person, which if you listen to the podcast, you almost definitely are. <laughs> There's no way that you're not. Um, and at any of our campuses, we'd ask if you're able to attend the eight thirty service. That would be awesome because we know as we invite guests and those kind of things, those are. It's unlikely that the eight thirty is the most optimal time for. Mm -hmm. guests and that kind of thing so if you're if you're willing to catch on to that vision and go to the earliest service we'd appreciate it
1: and to quote the scholar Aaron Hickson at the 945 service if you want to be more like Jesus he rose early so you would come to the early service I believe that's how you said it (laughs) I did hallelujah (laughs) hallelujah you can't plan that kind of stuff man
0: Oh my goodness. But anyway, so the, uh, Sunday was week three of All Rise. And this was, in many ways, I think you could argue, a climactic moment, if not the climactic moment of the series, probably a climactic moment, um, because next week is certainly Easter. And um, there's going to be plenty to talk about related to the resurrection and how that fits all together. And it's certainly going to be a great weekend. But in terms of how this message series fits together, this is the moment where we are able to see the way that the gospel works in its in its practice in terms of the, the legal perspective. So um, as we were writing it, there was a lot, you know, a lot to look into. We were just talking about how um, there's some reaction from people in our church who have had interactions in the legal system, either because of their job or been on maybe, I think you could say the wrong side of the legal or the justice system. And we've had some interactions with them about it. And as we said. We're glad to find out that we didn't write it to sound like we didn't know we were talking about. That's encouraging. But yeah, tell me about your interaction in the lobby. You said you had a really unique one.
1: Yeah. So Sunday after I think the 11 o'clock service, a guy came up to me in tears um, and just talked about he had uh, just served three years in prison. And um, he was he's was basically saying what you just walked people through is real. And I've, I've felt the weight of it. I've tried to, you know, basically try to convince a judge to rule in my favor by all my good deeds. Like, I mean, he's like, man, I just felt it all over again. But I felt the freedom for the first time, knowing what Jesus accomplished for me. And it was just, yeah. it was really cool to to you know, you try to create you know truth. You're not creating truth; God creates truth. But through the truth, you're trying to create feelings that people can relate to, and to know like that we accomplish that uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit in people's lives, and have a guy who's kind of been through the court system recently, and being like, man, that's real, and what you what you, you talked about, man, it was so accurate. It was just powerful for me, uh, and and a reminder, man, God just His Spirit knows exactly what people need to hear. And he moves in people's hearts. Like at the other day, we didn't do it. He did it right. God, God did it. His spirit did it. And so it was just really validating and powerful. Right. And we mm-hmm. got to see the evidence of that. I, I, I don't even know the full results, but I had a close friend text me saying, my son said yes to Jesus. And he said he put mm-hmm. his crown on today. Which mm-hmm. I just love that imagery. I've got two people that I've, I'm sending Bibles to this week who put their crown on today. And so And and man, just praise God for what he did, you know? That's awesome. That's amazing. And, you know, when you're talking about crowns and
0: and cuffs, like, that's a hypothetical metaphor, image, you know, illustration. But for that gentleman in the lobby, like, that's not those cuffs are not an illustration. (laughs) That's a, that's a thing that he's experienced, you know, Um, hopefully most people never have to experience cuffs with something other than when you're playing like cops and robbers as a kid or something, but like he's experienced that for real. And so talking about how those are, those are broken. And in Christ, we have, you know, not just forgiveness, which is part of the dynamic that we want to talk about is like, it's not just forgiveness. I think that that's so easy to think of like, thank you for forgiving me, but it's not simply a clean slate. It's, an inheritance of much much more than just forgiveness it's also righteousness and um that's the, the that's the part that makes it way 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 too good to be true which is what leads us to the next week about how do we respond to the fact that this is too good to be
1: true which i don't want to get into that message yet but um everybody's just think- right now though aaron i believe it, because everybody thinks the series is over right <laughs> so shout out to everybody listening we still have one more week in this series, right? And you, you probably have no clue what we're going to talk about because, like, what? Ha- like the court case is finished. Like the advocate, the how many times can the judge change his verdict? Right? He doesn't change his verdict. And what happens next? You have to come on Easter to find. Mm, I love yeah, it. Right <laughs> that was a really good opportunity. That was an, just- an Easter,
0: it. Easter invite. It just happened right there on the podcast. Uh, yeah. So the the advocate. It's interesting. You would almost think that 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 character in the gospel story would be introduced earlier because normally it's like, you know, the defendant, you're saying, like, don't talk, let your attorney do all the talking for you, you know, but early on, we're doing our best. And I think, you know, if you if you want to push the illustration even further and like try to make it as biblically accurate as possible, we didn't pursue our own salvation. It comes to us by God's grace. In other words, we, we entered the courtroom without an advocate. And almost like in the watching area, you know, the seats are called behind in the chambers. Um, they stand up and walk forward. Like Jesus stands up and walks forward, not without us asking, like we've just received the guilty verdict and this person comes in on their own without us requesting it. In fact, you know, even more so, they were our enemy. Like this is somebody that we all have previously hated and rejected. They come in and do this work on our behalf. So, um, it makes sense that while you would, you would want your attorney there as early as possible. In this case, you don't even know you have an attorney until the attorney is taking your place. Um, And that's the one thing that we,
1: you know, we didn't, we couldn't get into too much in in the courtroom, but the advocate is actually God himself. Right. So, mm. It, it, it's weird because we even talked about this in pre-preach is the Trinity, you know, you got God, the father. So one God, you know, who displays himself in three persons, God, the father, God, the spirit and God, the son. And our advocate is actually God himself. So the very God that we rebelled against sends his son to be our advocate. And we didn't get to get into that really in, in this courtroom atmosphere, but this is mm-hmm. God, the son, Jesus, our advocate who we have declared we are the enemy through our sin. And yet though we're his enemy, he becomes our advocate. And I mean, I think the most powerful point in the whole message was that like, he didn't come to argue. He didn't bring some new defense. He came to take our place. Right. Mm. And that, like that, that point is so powerful and amazing because what defense attorney takes on the punishment of their client. Mm. Right. And, and
0: obviously in our, on our system, that's not even, it's not even allowed, right? It's not right. like, even if they wanted to, they couldn't, <laughs> but in this, in this illustration, God's wrath just has to be poured out on the sin. And since we are able to, Christ is able to take our sin upon himself. That's how that whole exchange takes place. And yeah, you're right. He doesn't argue the case. He takes our place. And that's the heart of the gospel is substitution. The heart of the gospel is the reality that God stepped in to take our place. And inside of God's um, character, you hate to, I'm going to use a word that is ultimately probably theologically inaccurate, but inside of God's character, there exists a tension. Um, You can't say that God's, characteristics exist in tension, because that would mean that something's not right about them. But like, in the perfection of who God is, he wants contradictory things. He wants a relationship with us, but he also can't interact with sin. That's a tension that we talk about almost every time you have explained the gospel, you have to talk about the fact that, you know, God is perfect, we are not, he wants to bridge that gap. But he wants to bridge that gap in an eternal and everlasting way, which means he has to do it in a deified, immortal way, which means he has to send himself to solve his own problem caused by his own character. And uh, Romans chapter three talks about how he had passed over former sins and he did all this to show his righteousness. So at the present time, he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And that is Paul getting at the very tension we're describing. He is just, he's perfectly holy. He's a just judge who never lets anyone off, but he's also the justifier. He solves his own problem and um, he can keep his standard of holiness, but he can
1: also keep us close, which is his desire. And when it comes to the salvation process, it's just the evidence that it has nothing to do with us, (laughs) right? You know, like this whole story in this courtroom, we do nothing but be guilty, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. all we do is we stand there in our guilt. We can't fix it. And God does everything for us, right? Hmm. That's the beauty of salvation is, you know, we, we, we express our faith. We believe with our mouth, but all the work God did. Hmm. Yeah. And he is the propitiation,
0: which you don't get to say propitiation Uh. much anymore, you know, so
1: (laughs) I mean, like that's what not only is it a big word, it's not the easiest thing to say when you're trying to talk fast, right? Like say propitiation five times as fast as you can and tell me how many times you get it right. Right, that two that double P gets you sometimes, right? You say, <laughs> yes, <"Yeah." laughs> bro. The I mean, anytime you're in a five syllable
0: territory, you're you're doing something yeah. serious. And the NIV in First John two says Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Most other modern translations say that he's the propitiation for our sins. And there are times like there's you know there's all these debates inside of Bible translation, and then also inside of churches and and the academy. Where you talk about, like, is it right to use the big word or is it right to explain the big word with smaller words? And I think the fact is that both of them are right. You know, these words that we've made up in some cases that explain theological concepts, they are good words to know. And if you're going to interact with, you know, commentaries and more scholarly literature, you're going to have to understand those terms. And so you want to hear about them. But whether or not every single Christian, like... (laughs) A Christian could live their entire life and never know the word propitiation and still be pleasing to God. They can't be a Christian and not understand the concept of propitiation. (laughs) You know, so like that's the tough thing is like, yes, there's a technically correct term for that. But no, we don't have to use it every time. And you're not smarter if you're using it, but it is good to know it. And so at some point explaining it is helpful.
1: No, there's no doubt. You got to understand that that process of Jesus meeting God's standards. That's important. That's vital to the salvation process, mm-hmm. right? It's what makes Jesus's sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Um, I don't know why I like atoning better, right? So when I read mm-hmm. those two, maybe because I'm a simple guy and sure if you ask the random person, what does propitiation mean? I doubt most of people are going to know that, but like atoning Mm -hmm. to atone for something. I think there's beauty and depth in that word. That is, is really beautiful of what Jesus did. Like he atoned Mm -hmm. for our sins. I I, I love the imagery that that creates um, for in that passage. It is funny though, because that's itself
0: while easier, not, common. It's still not common as a term, like, you know, like walking around saying that. So like NIV was like, okay, we're going to make it a little easier, but they're not going to go all the way as to make it super easy. One of my favorite definitions of propitiation is a wrath absorbing sacrifice Mm -hmm. rather than an atoning sacrifice. Because if you call it wrath absorbing, you can sort of wrap your mind around that. That makes even though you've probably never talked about something being wrath absorbing, you know what the word wrath and absorbing means. So you can sort of make sense of it. So it's like if propitiation is the highest level and atoning sacrifice or a sacrifice of atonement is level two, probably the most down to earth version is wrath absorbing sacrifice. Um, And that's what Jesus was, right? Like his wrath is, I almost picture it like a hammer that's falling or a gavel that's falling and at the last minute, it's just like, floop, pull this one out and put this one in and the wrath still falls. And this one absorbs it anyway. Um, so anyway, that's one, another way to talk about it. But I remember uh, re- memorizing first John two and saying propitiation and feeling like a baller, but probably not knowing what it meant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I've ever felt like a baller by knowing a certain word, but you know, Hey, to each his own, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's the definition of being a baller is knowing five syllable yes. words. Like if you were to look it up.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think during the NCAA double tournament or the NCAA double uh, tournament, I think they might have a different definition of baller, by the oh. way, the, the Wolverines are balling right now. So I'm just, saying, I'm just saying, well, does your bracket look good or no, I did not do a bracket. Um, I just didn't get to it. And so I'm just cheering for my team. You know, mm. enjoying the the madness is what they would say.
0: Yeah, I have done brackets. I didn't do one this year. And I'm kind of glad that I didn't because like, well, it doesn't matter because everyone was busted. It doesn't it just doesn't matter anymore. Um, so many upsets. But uh, OK, I'll be interested to see how Michigan does. I have not tracked. Well, I know that they haven't been eliminated, but I haven't I don't know how well they've been playing. So we'll see. Um, you and Scott Bixby with your ran- in my mind, random Michigan fandom. So interesting. As long it was it, that was because like just to get under your brother's skin, right? Because
1: they were Penn State fans. They were on TV. Oh, I seriously. On- still oh, the TV thing. It, that's <laughs> the teams I like. Think about it. In the nineties when I grew up, who is on TBS for baseball? You should know this. The Braves, <laughs> the Braves. So I'm a Braves fan who is on Fox every Sunday in the night. I mean, gotta football. be the Cowboys because the Cowboys you like. <laughs> and the Michigan Wolverines were on ESPN in the Big Ten all the time. And their helmets with like the claw, the, the blue and the yellow, you the know? claw of the Wolverine. Man, a kid could
0: say no to that. I oh, just, no. I just can't believe it wasn't Penn state. Like, I don't know anything about regional broadcasts or anything about anything. I just feel like why Michigan Because <laughs> Michigan
1: whatever. was really good then. So all those teams okay. were really good as well. So the Cowboys in the nineties, the Braves in the nineties and the Wolverines sure, sure, were really sure, good. So you often play where, what ratings, you know, a team that gets ratings. And so. I uh, just
0: completely derailed us with that. I mean, at least Bixby did grow up in Michigan, so I'll, I will grant him that, but um and I'm a Red Sox fan having grown up in Ohio. So I guess I have nothing to, I have nothing to say. Um, I chose the Red Sox and love
1: over loyalty and the Indians. <laughs> yeah. I don't care who you cheer for as long as you cheer for them for your life. Right. Like it's you know, it's like Jesus, be, be you know, let's bring the connection back. Right. You, you stay true. Once you're part of the family of God, your you're status is is,
0: is non-revocable. it's unchangeable
1: that's somewhat of a highly debated topic in 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 the church right like eternal Mm -hmm. security you know there are a lot of churches that believe you can lose your salvation um Mm -hmm. and again i think it's hard where where do you land on how can you learn some lose something you didn't earn Mm -hmm. right but that's a it's a highly you know debated topic of can that be revoked we don't we don't believe it can at northridge church we believe once you're part of the family of god there is no sin that can kick you out. Thank, thank the Lord for that. Right, right. Yeah, seriously. That's a that's not just a belief that I have
0: because of conviction. It's also convenient as well. Thank, <laughs> it's something you can be grateful for. <laughs> that, that's very uh, true. Um, yeah. And I love, I love the language of Romans eight that you were able to go to at the end of the message, you know, who can bring a charge against God's elect, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Bringing us right back into that legal language. Um, and the answer is of course, no one, and you know, double jeopardy maybe is like the, the bill of rights language for how you can't be charged for the same crime more than once. But in this case, like Jesus took the punishment for the sin. So it's done. Like the, the issue cannot be brought back up. And, um, so as a result of that, it can't
1: be Talk about how freeing that is though, Aaron, like think about the court system and just because you won a case, you know, in our society doesn't mean that case is finalized, right? There's an appeal process. There's like a, so you can celebrate in the moment, but you could go back And be charged. I even think like sometimes when I read the news, it's like new DNA testing, you know, finds murderer that was like, you know, free, like it changed, like there, there is a time where evidence can come back up and actually someone who was set free now is going to prison or someone who's in prison can be set free. Like that fear, especially if you are guilty, right. And somehow you manage your way out of a court case to be free in the back of your head. You have to think like, this could come back up. But think about how freeing this is through Jesus that you don't ever have to worry about this case again. You, mm-hmm. you don't ever have to wonder, like, is, is the devil going to accuse me again? I have to go back to court or, you know, like mm-hmm. it's done. It's finished. And I think that is so freeing to know, like, I don't have to look over my past. I talked to somebody on Sunday who was like, Drew, I just need help. Like, overcoming my past. I, I I know what Jesus did for me, but I, I can't stop looking back at the regret and the sin that I have. And I was like, that's what the enemy wants. He wants to put the handcuffs on you and say, this is who you are. You don't have to anymore. And you didn't do anything special. God did it for you. And he gives you a future. You can, you can push forward because you don't have to go back to this courtroom. And hmm. that is just freeing to walk into your future and be free and never have to worry about being in bondage again. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's that is,
0: it is officially changed like there's no there's no undoing something of even in malachi's illustration like and this is a horrific thing to even think about but like if something were to happen to you and ashley he's still part of a family in a way that was not true before um so like there's no there's no going back to the the trump the traumatic situation that he was in before um right. this status even in a human sense and like all of our human illustrations are always imperfect because they're never eternal. They're never unchangeable in the same way, but like we never think about them being changeable. That status in our minds is as unchangeable as human standards can get. And God's standards are even stronger. So, um, yeah, it's an incredible reality that I think we, it should be motivating to us. Not some people could say like, okay, well then if I'm good, I'm good. You know, like I've got to get out of jail free card that I'll just utilize to, um, do whatever i want but instead the reality is in fact we write a no feel do what do we want people to know what do we want them to feel what do we want them to do the do for this message was to accept the work of christ on their behalf and then to be grateful for their status change so i think in an an already believer gratitude and obedience is the only reasonable response Mm -hmm. yep so hey We're getting close. Easter's here. Uh, Monday, it's Monday that we're recording this. There's just a few more days till Good Friday. We don't have anything planned as a church for that formally, but I do think it's a good opportunity for us to just, I know, uh, like, Protestant denominations are not known for how they do like high church, church calendar, like stuff like that. But I do think that there is some value in the rhythms and the um, understanding of what those days mean. So as we head into Easter, be intentional, not only with invites, but remembering what Christ has done for us and maybe even joining in in some
1: uh, rhythms of remembrance uh, in this week. It's a big day. Friday's a huge day. Sin is paid for three days later, victory over it. Come on. And we'll see you all at 830 in the morning on Sunday. <laughs> right, 830. Everybody who listens to the podcast must, we will save you a podcast recording section.
0: It'll yeah, be, that's August. right. We actually are going to be taking attendance. And if you're not there, we're going to be mad. Now I'm just playing. <laughs> thanks everyone. And thanks for listening. We'll see you on Sunday.